Lord, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are the creator of the world. You're the one who is in control and that you love us, that you didn't leave us on our own, but God, that you have offered us help. Lord, I ask that you would please help us, Lord, as we seek to learn more about you today. Help us to grow. Um, Help us to uh, also to be able to share your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The summer of 1988. Some of you may not have been born. (laughs) Summer of 1988, I'm going into the start of high school. Yeah, I'm that old. I'm getting ready to start high school in the summer of 1988. And I remember because the school was not a very big school and had uh, shared facilities with where I went to middle school and um, had a few different sports that they would play, uh, but they were particularly not good at basketball. And this is kind of the month of basketball for sports fans from March Madness. They were particularly not good at basketball. And I remember that just as I was getting ready to get into, I'm talking Chiquetta's love language now, by the way. As I was getting ready to uh, go into high school, we all of a sudden had a ringer or, or what I would call a game changer. We had a game changer and he was tall and he was fast and he was athletic and he got his tennis shoes from the Portland Trailblazers, or back then, as we would call them, the Jailblazers. But we, he would get his shoes from the Trailblazers. His name was David Lawson, and I remember David Lawson because there was nobody in our school that was within six inches of his height. He's literally a big man on campus, and he was a game-changer for our team. Now, are you familiar with this phrase, a game-changer? Okay, you may have heard people like Michael Jordan Ray Lewis referred to as a game changer. It's somebody who, when they're in the game, they make a difference. And, and those of you sports fans that are old enough to remember, Michael Jordan was the quality of person that was competitive all the time, but also was a stone-cold killer. Michael Jordan knew how to take over a game. He could go out, rest, he could kind of hang back, keep the score tied, but when he wanted to break the will of the other team, he could take over. He was a stone-cold killer. He was ruthless, he was heartless, and for that part doesn't work with my analogy. But he was a game-changer. He was somebody that when he was in, he changed the game. And for us, me getting started going in as a ninth grader, I knew that David Lawson, who at the time was probably 14 inches taller than me, was a game-changer. Now, I grew up in a, a family where the men were athletes. They're tall and athletic, and I am not. Now, I work hard and I hustle, and that's a story for another day. But I knew... You ever know what it's like to be in a game where you're losing? I've been on losing teams before. I've been on teams where it feels like you can't get anything done, where you're frustrated, where you're overwhelmed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, life can put us in a place where we don't know what to do. You may or may not have come to a place in your life where... I'm doing the stuff I think I'm supposed to do, but I can't seem to win. Are you with me? 
Life can have seasons where you're frustrated, where you're overwhelmed, where you're hurt, angry, lonely, tired, where it doesn't seem like it matters what you throw at it, but you're losing. Before we go to the scripture, I just want to start by saying that Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is the game changer. In your life, in whatever is going on, in your head, in your heart, Jesus is the game changer. Are you with me? The son of the living God. He's the game changer. He is referred to in scripture as the breaker, the one who breaks through, who will break through, the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. That's Jesus. That's the God that we serve. I'm going to go through several scriptures today so you can look them up as we go or you can just track on the screen. Normally we turn in our Bibles, but I want to just look very quickly at several scriptures. Psalm 16, which actually has some description of Jesus in a way. Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me. Some translations say, I saw the Lord always before me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. Now the psalmist, like any songwriter, is an emotional person and has ups and downs and is honest about the ups and downs. In fact, much of the book of Psalms in the middle of your Bible, the fast food section of your Bible, if you will, is actually the blues. A lot of times he's singing the blues. And yet I want to zero in on a certain kind of uh, psalms and verses this morning. He's making a statement that does not sound like he's somebody that's singing the blues. Right? I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. You will show me the way of life, speaking to God, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I want to borrow from a friend of mine, Doug Lassett, this thought that your awareness of the presence of God is a game changer. Jesus is the game changer, okay, and he's not a stone cold killer. Okay, so we'll be careful with this analogy. Jesus is the game changer, but in your life, you may or may not be aware of his presence. Are you with me? See, God doesn't change. He's in control. He is at peace. In fact, the picture that we last see of Jesus from John is that Jesus is sitting. And when there is a war, when there is contention, you don't sit. See, the battle has been won. Jesus is not stressed out, overwhelmed, frustrated, unsure of what to do by the challenges that are in your life. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is at peace. It is our awareness of his presence that is the game changer. Are you with me? Now, our awareness of him, his presence in our lives, like we saw in this verse here, comes and goes. It, In fact, it is mostly up to us. Are you with me? See, we are the church. 
It's not an event that you attend. It's not where you come and watch other people that make you feel good or better about yourself because you're around and watching those people. Hello? The church are people that are Jesus followers that come together in a place, that do life together, that are devoted to Him together. That's what the Bible describes the church as. We as the church are Jesus followers. We are dedicated to Him and as such, in your home, uh, in your car, in the parking lot at work, on your lunch break, or wherever it is, walking your neighborhood, picking up garbage or, or talking to your neighbor, you can be aware of the presence of the living God. Are you with me? It is, it is a truth. But I want to zero in on a particular aspect of our awareness of the presence of God. Okay? And that is when we come together. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the Bible doesn't say that we should worship on a Sunday morning. In fact, the Bible is very open about how we do church. But here's what's very, very defined. That we gather in a large group, in a public place, and on a regular basis, and that we don't neglect that gathering. You're here. Okay? That's what we believe. It also is clear that we gather in small gatherings in homes. Okay? Acts 2, read your Bible, very clear. But in both of those contexts, one of the things that we should do is the Lord's table and worshiping or singing our praises. Now, I'm well aware that we have people of all different personality types. And some of you look at me and my personality just think I'm crazy. It's okay. I love you all the same. Now, we also have people from very different church backgrounds, some with church backgrounds, some not with church background. We have some people here that are from churches that maybe didn't have instruments at all. Some people that you would never see electrical instruments. Some people that are are accustomed to very quiet worship experiences. I submit to you that if you search the scripture for the plain, simple truth about how and why we should worship, we're, we're starting to get close. Okay, now, but let's zero in on when we come in the big gathering, what does the scripture say about when we come together in the big gathering about our awareness of the presence of God? Normally, I don't preach on a topic that's so defined, but I thought it would be helpful to us. Are you with me? Okay, I'm going to try to do this 30 minutes in 15. Are you ready? Okay. What do we get? Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praises in the assembly of the faithful. That's why we're here. We meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. You know, we have this place 8 a.m. to 12 whatever when we leave. You can come in here every Sunday starting at 8 a.m. to 12 whatever and just use this as your holy place that's dedicated. Holy means set apart. This place on Sunday mornings is not set apart for Magic Mike. It's set apart for Jesus. Somebody? This is your holy place. It's a movie theater, sure. It's dusty with construction, sure. But it is your holy place. And every week it's available to you that you can come and meet with God. You can have quiet moments and you can have loud moments. And a part of the purpose that we gather here is so that we can meditate on His un 
unfailing love and worship him. Not so that you can watch me or the beautiful First Lady Rebecca. That's not her official title. We're just experimenting. But not so that you can watch somebody else sing and meditate and thank God for forgiving their sins, but so that you can come and thank God for forgiving you of your sin. Are you with me? That's why we are here. Now, I love Psalm 22. A lot of people love Psalm 23 because it's nice and peaceful. But the fact of the matter is, is that Psalm 22 has the blues. He's singing the dirty and nasty blues. The Albert King, the B.B. King, the old school Robert Johnson blues. My life is terrible. I was born under a bad sign. That's it. Somebody, are you? Come on, music fans. Right? It's a Psalm 22 is the dirty, nasty blues, but he finishes by turning a corner. This is important. Are you tracking? Are you with me? I might be a little too excited for some of y'all. I will praise you. This is after singing. My bones are all out of joint. My life is terrible. Everybody hates me. I'm going to die. They're hunting me down to kill me. After he says that, he says, I will praise you among your assembled people. He does not say, I am lonely, my life is terrible, and so I will go be by myself. Where should you go when your life is terrible? Right here. I will praise you among your assembled people. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows. When you accepted Jesus, you said, I will make you the Lord and Savior of my life. If I can't get my bones up out of bed and get into the assembly, am I fulfilling my vow to God? Am I a a Jesus follower? Now, I'm not talking about, listen, I've had surgery. I've not been able to come to church. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about when you are able-bodied, Staying in bed is not fulfilling your vow to follow Jesus. Coming together in the assembly, if you study the Bible and you take the plain, simple truth, you cannot check out of the church and follow Jesus by yourself. Old Testament and New Testament, it's plain as day and you're here, so I don't need to convince you, right? But after singing the blues, I will praise you in the great assembly. Psalm 52, thriving I am, I will praise you in the presence of your faithful people. Psalm 63, I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory. Chris and Jimmy and I, when we choose the songs that we sing, we put the words on the screen, we choose songs that will bring our focus, that will bring our attention to the glory of who God is. And there is a reason for that. And lastly, here from the Psalms, I really love this in particular. One of the Psalms where he's singing the blues and he's talking about, I don't understand why all those nasty people, all those, 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 those unethical people, those liars or cheats or steals are prospering and my life is terrible. I don't understand. But after he lists his complaints before God, he says this, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked, how good it is to be near to God. Now, what is the destiny of the wicked? They are apart from God. They are separated from God here on earth, which is a taste of hell on earth, and they're destined for hell. 
But he didn't come to that conclusion and change his attitude and change his perspective to say how good it is to be near to God until he came up into the church and he put his focus and his attention on the living God. Are you with me? Why? Why do we worship God? I'm so glad you asked. Psalm 13. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Anyone been rescued? Because you have rescued me, I will sing to the Lord. He doesn't say good. He doesn't say I'm so good people want to listen to me. He doesn't say I would make it past the first round on American Idol. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now, I grew up in a church full of from the 60s, ex-hippies and drug addicts and, and, and liars and cheaters and murderers and, 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 and homosexuals and alcoholics and, and compulsive liars that had been saved by Jesus in the Jesus People movement of the late 60s. And I grew up in a church where we would study the Bible about how to sing, to clap, to shout, to dance, how to celebrate God's goodness, how to focus on the truth of who God is. And so when we come and to lead you into worship. We come from a culture of people that knew what it was to be forgiven. People who knew what it was to feel like they were far from God. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were not the kind of people that church folks wanted to be around. So they started a new church. They joined with some of the older generation and they got together and they would come together faithfully. And when I grew up, it was three services on Sunday morning and one on Sunday night and one on Wednesday night and small groups on top of that because the people could not get enough of the presence of God. But those many times that they came to church during their week did not stop them from leading other people into salvation, from being normal, good, not crazy Christians, but being the kind of people that unsaved people wanted to be around. And they would spend enough time with people that did not know Jesus, that people were still getting saved and the church was growing. And I yearned for the day when we have a house of believers that live like that. Now we have plainly architected this church so that there's Sunday morning and time for small groups. Because the fact of the matter is, is that in the modern American churches, most Christians will not give God more than 10 hours in their week. And I've found that to be true. So not only across the United States as an average, are we the most segregated bunch and the most politicized pulled into, into Republican, Democrat, other parties, We can't even come together to focus on Jesus, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of education, regardless of economics. But guess what? That's not us. Look around this room. This is the beautiful body of Christ right here. Right? Now, because God forgave me of my sin, because he rescued me, because he loves me, because his love never fails me, I will say, you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good. I will not let my past church experience, I will not let what us, my what I have grown to think is my personality. I'm a quiet person. I'm not a singer. That is a load of malarkey. That is a line of bogus stuff. That's what BS really means, bogus stuff. That's a line of bogus stuff. Regardless of your personality, you can do what even the angels cannot do, and that is to sing the song of the redeemed. Because you've been forgiven. You've been made clean. 
I should be fighting people off with a stick to come in here at eight o'clock, nine o'clock to sing, to pray, to come together, to be ready at 10 o'clock because this is a place that is assigned as a holy place for you. No matter if you worked all night the night before, no matter if you stayed up late, Jimmy was up four o'clock in the morning, two nights ago, talking to people about Jesus. It doesn't matter. There should be, it is God who saved you. It is today. Will there be a next Sunday? I don't know. Maybe Jesus might not, might come back before then. We ready. This is why Jesus, when he was talking about worship and the woman at the well in John chapter four says, well, your people say we should worship here and my people say we should worship there, referring to geographic locations. And Jesus is going at the heart of the matter, which is her salvation. But on the road to the heart of the matter, he throws out this phrase that is so meaningful. There will be a day when God's people will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, let's give 60 seconds to the how. When we come together, you notice that the psalmist, when he sings songs, does not write fake stuff. He does not turn around and after saying the wicked are prospering and I'm not, turn around and lie and say now the wicked are not prospering and I am. He doesn't lie, but what he does do is he sings the truth. He focuses on the truth. David is written about as a man who is after the heart of God. And when he worships, he focuses on the truth of God. So even when life is tough, I can make a decision of my will to respond to God. To Listen, at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. There's no amount of my convincing that's going to change that. There's nobody in the world that's going to force you to do something you don't want to do. At the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. But when we make a decision of our will to show up and to speak truth, there's power when we hear ourselves speaking truth. Amazing grace. That's truth. Right? The lyrics we sang this morning, that's truth. When we sing and when we worship words that are truth, there is power in it. Now, worship in spirit, Jesus has multiple meanings here, but a part of his meaning as far as the how we worship when we come together, because that is what Jesus is specifically talking about, is what we did right here and right now. Jesus is specifically looking forward. He's prophesying. He's speaking about the future when God's people will gather together and worship him, regardless of geographic location and all these other methods he says they will worship him in spirit and in truth and a part of that is out of the breath out of the passion so when i connect truth with all of my passion that's the how of how i should worship god when i come together and i can't do that when i'm thinking about lunch or when i'm thinking about bills or when i'm focused on my insecurity or distracted by my secret sin or my lust or my lying i can't i can't focus on god when i'm thinking about someone else anybody ever observed a a a couple out on a date at a restaurant and one person is just looking at their phone does that look like love What's love got to do with it? Got to... Now, maybe he's looking up the next restaurant for dessert for her. I don't know. 
But if you're going to love God, like Jesus said, with all you've got, it's kind of hard to do it when we come together and we're thinking about other things. Are you with me? So one of the reasons that we do the things that we do on Sunday, meaning the team that practices and does all the work to try to, everything that we're constantly thinking about is what's going to make it as easy as possible for you to focus on Him and release your worship. Are you with me? That's what we're trying to do. What will have no distractions? Because I'm human. I've had plenty of Sundays where I came in the church and I had distractions. Are you with me? But I've got to make a decision to show up and to focus on Him, to push the distractions out. Are you with me? And that's why sometimes we sing longer than others. And that's why it's good to do it at home. That's why it's good to do it in small groups. Are you with me? It's helpful Then I worship Him in spirit and truth. What's some of the results? That's a great question. When you focus on God to praise Him, here are four results. Okay? You become more aware of His presence. Now, your awareness of the presence of God is the what? Game changer. You're looking for a game changer in your life? Guess what? You don't have to manufacture the change in your game. (laughs) That was really good. Let me say that again. You're looking for a game changer in your life? Guess what? You don't have to manufacture it. Jesus is the game changer and your awareness of His presence, that's what will change your game. Because when you are changed, everything around you is changed, your environment is changed, people respond to you different. Guess what? If you're a believer of Jesus, you carry the presence of the living God wherever you go. When I come together on a Sunday morning and I sing in the assembly of the faithful, when I focus on God to praise Him, I become more aware of His presence. Number two, your challenges appear smaller and you see just how great He is. See, when I push out the distractions and I focus on Him, I see Him for who He really is. And I keep a little book in my office all the time called, Your God is Too Small. The easiest thing in the human condition is to think of God as smaller than He really is. To put Him in a box and put human limitations on Him. Guess what? He's not human! He created the world! He's the one in control! He's the one who never fails! Are you with me? Your challenges appear smaller and you see just how great God is. I'd like to ask the band to come back up. We're about to go into a little bit more worship this morning. Number three. When you focus on God to praise Him, you become more aware of who He is and all that He does. We sing songs with good, healthy lyrics. You're going to see and read and think about the things that God has done in your life. You become more aware of Him. Number four, you become more aware of who you are in Him. Some of the songs that we sing specifically highlight biblical truth about who you are in Him. God. You've got identity in Him. Now, what happens out of that? Out of this place of being more aware of Him, Ben, I want to go forward one more. I'm sorry, did you freeze to switch over? Oh, it's okay. You can go back to the... I'll just say it. When I'm in this place of worshiping, okay... Here's what happens. When I'm focused like this and I'm more aware of God's presence than anything else, 
out of loving God with all I've got, which is what Jesus said in Matthew 22, out of loving God with all I've got comes loving others the way you love yourself. See, it's in here. It's in here, in our worship, that we are prepared for the mission in our life. It's out of this place that we've been talking lately about enjoying God. It's out of this place of enjoying His presence, enjoying the truth of who He really is, the fact that He will never fail us, the fact that He loves us, the fact that He cares for us. It's in this place of when I'm more aware of His presence than anything else. It's out of that place that I'm prepared for God's mission in my life, that I'm prepared to love others the way that God wants me to love others. It's when I'm changed. It's when I I can hear His voice. It's when I'm healed. Many times over, I have seen documented medical miracles that occurred during a worship service. There's nobody with a big name or a big jug of oil that came and anointed somebody. It was while we were singing that healing miracles. I saw a broken arm, a broken arm healed in worship, in raising hands to Jesus. I've seen healed emotions. I've seen healed marriages. I've seen healed identities and broken strongholds of wrong thinking in worship. Jesus is the game changer. We're going to sing and worship Him. You can start by sitting if you like or you can stand and stand as you're willing and able as we sing. But let's Let's focus on Him and sing to Him this morning. Amen.